Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show, bringing you inside rumors and transactions around the league with your hosts, Keith Smith and Trevor Lane. Brought to you by LakersNation.com and CLNS Media. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the NBA Front Office Show. I'm Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com, joined as always by Keith Smith for Yahoo, Real GM, Celtics Blog, pretty much everywhere. Uh, This is going to be an exciting show. We're going to talk about the Central Division, but we also have a ton of NBA news to get into. Again, like we always say, it's the offseason, but the NBA is a year-round league. There is a ton of things happening right now, including when the next season is going to start. We've got Daryl Morey making some big moves, jumping over the Philadelphia 76ers. Keith, I am pumped for this show. Yeah, man, it's one of those where I feel like we wrap up the previous week and news either breaks right away. Or then it starts to go a couple of days and it's like, are we going to have a lot to talk about? You know, but then it always delivers as the NBA always does. It delivers, you know, in spades for us. And yeah, so we got quite a bit to talk about. I look forward to getting into yeah, it. Yeah, I think the, the Daryl Morey thing was only like a day after we wrapped up last week's episode, which is just, you know, how it usually goes. Most of the time, actually, it's like an hour after we, we finish up a show, something big yeah. happens. So so that means that there's probably yep. something that's going to go go down today. Um, let's start, though, with, uh, with Daryl Morey heading over to the Philadelphia 76ers. We said on our last show that if he wants a job, he's not going to be on the market for very long. Somebody will pick him up. Are you surprised at the landing spot, though? It's funny. It feels like one of those things that, that there were 5 million tweets about that actually mm-hmm. happened. You know, like, like people are always like, Daryl Morey should go to Philly. And the Philly fans yep. were like, we want Daryl Morey. And then it happened. You're almost like, whoa, like this happened. Like this is, is crazy. So yeah, it's, um, I'm not overly surprised, I guess is the best way to put it. Cause I think there was a sense that Elton Brand needed help in that front office um they they hired peter dinwiddie away from the indiana pacers who's a good cap guy um knows things you know uh, cold on that front and then i felt like they just wanted someone with a little bit more experience um higher than elton brand in the organization so bringing in maury yo really fulfills that goal and they're they're gonna really move this thing forward so i'm excited for philadelphia i'm excited for daryl maury i think this is a home run hire I think the big question is, now you mentioned home run, does Maury come in right away and swing for the fences? And I'm talking about big time trade, shake things up, or do you think he, and and when I say big time, I mean you're moving like one of, say, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, if they can move him, Al Horford, right? A major piece like that. Or do you think it's more he kind of dips his toe in the water at first, gets a feel for things, sees how everything plays out, uh, and then kind of moves forward from there with new head coach Doc Rivers. Yeah, I think it's going to be that second one. I don't know that those big moves are coming right out of the gate. I think they'll look. They'll, they'll see what they could do for for um, you know, Al Horford, maybe for Tobias Harris. I don't expect them to do anything with Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons. That doesn't right. make any sense um, at this stage of the game. I think you know, you're best there. You know, moves are on the edges, sure. Yeah, they're they're definitely going to do that. They're going to do what they can to fill out um, that roster. I think they're in a they're in a weird position, right? Because they're going to be pretty deep into the tax, um, maybe even deeper if the tax stays flat, which I know we're going to talk about later in the show. Um, but it, they are in a position where I think what we could see happen with them is um, if they're willing to keep paying and adding to that tax bill, they because they have um, roles and minutes available. As guys get squeezed out of money, this 
summer, I think there's going to be some good value free agents available, Agreed. and they would be a team that's going to be really well positioned to snap those guys up because they're a pretty good team with good talent already. They're going to be a playoff team. You've got Doc Rivers there. Now you've got Dave Yeager, Sam Cassell, Dan Burke. You know they added. You know really filled out their coaching staff quite well. So I think that they're they're well positioned. It's just going to be ownership's willingness to spend and you know go into there. Or does Maury do something like? trade Mike Scott with they've got I think four second round picks this year so if they traded you know Mike Scott with a couple of those seconds to get his salary off the books then you could go sign a couple guys for the minimum and it's basically a wash salary wise so that could be you know direction they could go as well but yeah I don't see big moves coming yet that's probably maybe something by the trade deadline whenever that is um, and then maybe something uh, next off season. Yeah, agreed. Now, the the Sixers also, you know, you mentioned they brought in Doc Rivers. Obviously, this is a team that now has some positive momentum, and, and things were looking definitely not so great coming out of, out of the bubble and everything for the 76ers, but now they've got some positive momentum behind them. What do you see the relationship between Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey playing out like? I mean, these are, these are two fairly strong personalities, guys who are used to having things kind of go their way, and now they have to work together is there some potential there for some friction yeah i mean there's always that potential mm. right I, I think in any front office because coaches are give me the pieces to win now and gms have to i want to win now but i gotta have a focus on the future i think what helps is they work together in boston um Worry was in boston's front office when doc was their head coach so there's definitely a familiarity mm. uh there between the two so i think that's going to help i don't think it'll be a problem I think Doc realized that uh, Doc, the personnel guy, didn't work out so good. Um, And that's, you know, the the fact that he gave that up with the Clippers and really stepped back into just a coaching role and didn't leave at that time says to me Doc knows the front office's role versus what his role is with the team. And I think they're going to be aligned uh, much more on there's not going to be a teardown job going on here or anything like that. This is going to be on, all right, how do we rebalance this roster a little bit to move it forward? So I don't think there's going to be any problems there. Well, that's a great point. And, and just to, to close the book on, on this one, what I think is interesting is that you've got this kind of, you know, Maury, who is this guy known for these creative deals, working around the salary cap and all of that. Um, and of course, the the Sloan Sports Conference. I mean, he's he's kind of like the cap nerd GM, right? He's he's that guy. Yep. Okay, I think Bill Simmons used to call yep. him Dork Elvis, right? Um, so yep. he's yep. that guy. So it's almost like, in a way, obviously they're two different people. It's like taking a step back to Sam Hinkie without actually going to Sam Hinkie for the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, I think what you've got now, I think they, they have very different ways of building a team. Daryl Morey was yes. um, build up your assets to trade for known quantities um, that you can get while they still have plenty of value. Um, where Hinkie was, I believe the draft is the best way to build, so I'm going to bottom this thing out and we'll build through the draft. Where Morey, especially in his latter time of his time with the Rockets, traded every draft pick that he possibly mm-hmm. could for upgrades to the roster then. And some of that was driven by, hey, we're right there, right? I think we forget that that team was right there with the Warriors a couple of seasons ago. They, they, Chris they Paul injury probably, away. Yeah, and, and then, you know, Chris Paul injury and what they missed, 27 straight three-pointers or yes, whatever it was in a close game. Like, they mm-hmm. should have won, and they should have, you know, gone to the NBA Finals. So I think that is a, um, you know, as we look at that, that that gets forgotten a little bit. I mean, I also my my kind of final thoughts on this one is there's all this talk of 
um, Simmons doesn't fit what Mori wants. Embiid's too big. Well, the too big thing is is dumb. He built a team around Yao Ming initially. He had Clint Capella for years. Why he downsized was he was trying to give his coach the roster that fit his coach best. Um, when Mike D'Antoni wanted to play small, wanted to play faster, Daryl Mori gave him pieces that fit that best so i don't look at all and saying well joel Embiid's out of there because he wants to play small that is the uh recency of recency bias you know creeping in there and then with simmons maybe you know there's some truth to that but i think maury is about creating good efficient shots and ben simmons can do that inside the paint and also is a good you know playmaker he's a good passer and those kind of things so so i think i i think everybody jump into um you know one of those two guys has to go or both of them that's way too soon i think you know i i do think you know over time this roster will will tweak and evolve and and they're definitely going to add a couple more shooters in there um around these guys and those kind of things but but i wouldn't go so far is to say, you know, that's it. Like, did did blow this team up and start from scratch? Because that's not what's going to happen. No, I think you're right. I think he's going to make more moves around the edges and find a way to make all of these pieces fit. Um, let's jump over though from from Houston to Philadelphia, and now we've got a new coach coming in in Stephen Silas with the with the Houston Rockets. Um, was an assistant coach with the Dallas Mavericks. So coming under the out from under Rick Carlisle, who's a coach that has a ton of respect around the NBA. What are your thoughts on that hire? Yeah, I think this is one of those ones that's overdue. Um, he his name has been mentioned for feels like close to three, four, five years now mm-hmm. um, for many jobs when they come open. Um, his dad, Paul Silas, was a longtime you know player and then coach in the NBA. He was LeBron James' first coach. Um, in That's the right. NBA uh, t- today, as as we're recording this, um, it is uh, the um, anniversary of LeBron James' NBA debut. Um, oh, it was, uh, I was did today. not know that. Um, yeah, seventeen years ago. So, which is you know cr- crazy that like whole entire kids are you know in high graduated high school and LeBron was you know <laughs> pro the entire their life. Um, but back to Stephen Silas, I, I think yeah, I think this is a really good hire for the Rockets. I'm glad they went the you know. Um, assistant route the you know try somebody new um they're clearly entering into a new phase to some extent again we don't know what they're going to be are they going to tear that team down and really look to rebuild but yeah i I think this is a good hire and then the the other good part is you're hearing a lot of things he wants to have john lucas stay on staff which will be big because he's close to james harden and russell westbrook there's some other um uh, veteran type guys that it looks like he's looking to fill out his bench with and i think that's what these young assistants really now is build a good quality staff of veterans around you to help you in that first job so that way you're not so caught off guard that's it yeah and that's that's key because i think there's some people that would go into that job with the mindset of uh oh if i have too much experience on the bench behind me it makes it that much easier for an organization to cut me and just promote somebody else from within but that's i think that's the wrong mindset to go at it with i think like we saw this year with uh i mean obviously i'm going to default to the lakers but but with frank vogel the lakers made sure sure that he had quality coaches on on the bench with him to provide that extra stability and and vogel had experience but i do like the rockets going that route too with with steven silas um doesn't mean that they're going to undermine the coach or that they are going to yeah. you know speak over him or, or take over or anything like that uh, I think it's just important that you kind of give them that support just like you would try to give a young player support on the yep. floor you want to do the same thing with somebody that you see as a as a up-and-coming head coach yeah absolutely that's 
that that is you know spot on there and uh, go back to philly right doc is filling out his staff with great coaches mm-hmm. you know a, a couple long-term assistants and then you know a former head coach so yeah i think you know when you look at it too there's only 30 of these jobs and you know every year four or five of them generally change over and so when that happens that means you know some of these guys who were head coaches are not going to be right back in a head coaching spot some of them like frank vogel they'll take a year off they'll kind of you know recharge they'll they'll um you know rethink how they want to do things and then they'll get back into it and then other times you're gonna see you know coaches are you know hey i'm content to jump right back in as an assistant um you know kind of on the coaching front too oklahoma city now that's it i just looked up at my whiteboard there that's it they're the last one. Yep. Um, they, they don't have a head coach yet. Uh, there's been some rumblings. Uh, Royce Young of ESPN, who's as close to that organization as anybody, um, said he thinks it'll probably be by the end of this week. Um, we're at Thursday now, so may, maybe you know maybe early next week. But they're kind of you know playing that long game, the patient game there. So you know, and they, they've now they've got their choice, right? They're, they're not competing with anybody else, and you know, so yeah, in, in most around the league. Expect that to go to either a head coach like Kenny Atkinson, who has a great player development track, yes. or a an assistant coach who's going to be able to come in with a young team, grow with that team, and it moving forward. Um, so that's going to be you know the last kind of coaching job to keep an eye on at this point. Keith, you know what that means? That means the second we stop recording, yeah, boom, absolutely. we're going to get a little yeah. Woj bomb 100%. or a Shams bomb, yep. and it's yep. and they're going to announce who the yep. who the new head coach is. <laughs> That's yep, how that's yep, how that's going to we'll go talk down. about it in a week. <laughs> let's talk let's talk NBA dates. Okay, so that's yeah. that's been a big thing, right? We've been hearing now that the league for a while we were hearing okay, maybe they might even push back to say February, maybe even March because they're hopeful to get fans in the stands. And now we're hearing that's being turned on its head. The date the NBA is looking at is December 22nd as the start date with the goal being, hey, if we can finish this thing before the Olympics in July, then they could potentially put the 2021-2022 season back into its regular October through June time slot, avoid some of the conflict with the NFL, and especially during playoff time. I think that would be big for the NBA. And so that's that was some of the incentive to go ahead and start early, which for teams like the Lakers, the Heat, the Celtics, um, the, the Nuggets, teams that played late, into the bubble, they're saying, whoa, 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 wait, yep. that's a very fast turnaround. And now your colleague Chris Haynes uh, put out a report saying that there's a number of players and stars that are trying to push for MLK Day. So where do things stand right now on all of that? And when do you think it's really going to start up next season? Yeah, so the February, March, that's off the table. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody, everybody realized that's not going to happen now. Uh, that's done that is um it just means you're gonna go too late they realized you know playing in the summertime that's not for them which i also think that whole proposal of permanently shifting the calendar i think that's now off the table as well we said part of what the bubble was going to be used for was experimentation of you know what do some things look like if we put them into play um the play-in tournament that sounds like it's here to stay it sounds like that's gonna stay you know you don't no, no, I kind of like it. I do. Oh, okay. I, I, I like it. don't like it. I was like, no, no, no. I, I do like, like it. I do like it. No, I thought I it was like a lot too. of fun. I, I thought, you know, gosh, yeah. it was out of necessity. But I think the NBA yeah. stumbled onto something, something pretty good there with with that play-in I tournament. Agree. You know, it's um, especially and, if they put it mid-season, it would be kind of a nice little pick-me-up uh, in the mid, the midway yeah. point when the season starts I, to become a grind. I dig it. Yeah, I, I like the the idea with the play-in. If you do it similar to what they did in the bubble at the end of the year, you have to be within X amount of games 
you know, if you say it's six games, four games, whatever it is. Um, Because, yeah, if a team wins, you know, they're the eighth seed by eight games, they shouldn't have to play extra games to get in. That's stupid. They, you know, they they earned that over the course of the season. But, yeah, if you made it four games, six games, whatever it is, like, I think that's good. But, yeah, the midseason tournament sounds like that's maybe going to be a thing um, right. as well. Yeah, yeah. I went, like, I went uh, mid-season tournament with that, yeah. but you're, but you're right. Yes. The, the play in yeah. aspect of it too was also, was also fun. I went to the wrong tournament. Yeah. End yeah, of the, end of the know, season and, tournament as well. That was, that was yeah. a lot of fun. Even as, so even as like a Lakers fan, right. Watching, getting yeah. to, to look at the bottom of the table and see, Oh gosh, you know, Portland is going to, they're, they're coming strong and can the Grizzlies hold on? And it just, it created more drama. And I think that's a good thing for yep. the NBA. I like that you slipped in table. You you went with uh, English Premier League term. <laughs> I that was, that was that. well done. I've been watching a lot of uh, English Premier League lately, and a lot of uh, the Amazon Prime. This is completely off topic, but Amazon Prime has some fantastic documentaries um, mm-hmm. on the Premier League. Leeds United. They've got a two season documentary on them. One on Tottenham Hotspur. Um, really, really good. And it's also a cool look too to see how a different sport in a different part of the world dealt with coronavirus and getting shut down. So if anybody's interested in that, that that's um, in there. So, um, but yeah, so on dates, so NBA teams want the December date. They, they want that December 22nd. Mm-hmm. Nobody really wants to start on Christmas. I think everybody's like start a couple days before, let the Lakers have one of those opening night games. They'll do their rings. They'll do their things. It'll be fanless, but you know, still they, they still get that celebration. They raise the banner and off we go. Right. Um, then, um, you know, then everybody else opens up within the next day or so. And then Christmas still is your showcase, you know, a few days after that, you're going to play your five games on Christmas and really, you know, we're here, right? The NBA is, you know, off and running, um, shortened season sounds like probably about a 72 game season, mm-hmm. which that cuts, um, 10 games off, which 10 games amounts to about three weeks ish of the season. Um, sounds like they're going to do, um, maybe the season gets split into halves, where we have the whole first half schedule, um, and then the second half is left um, kind of more blank with the Great idea, idea. If, we, if we have makeups, if we've seen some of the problems the NFL and Major League exactly. Baseball ran into, um, they can cover because, um, you know, the NFL, it's as much as it's a challenge because you only play once a week, there's still only 16 games. You can do some movement around to make that happen. Major League Baseball's problem was in a much more condensed season, um, or their benefit rather even in a much more condensed season is they can play double headers the nba doesn't do that so i think you're also going to see you know which we don't love but i think you're going to see some more of the back-to-backs and some more of the four and five nights come back Mm -hmm. but it's going to be because it's going to be the lakers fly to the northeast and they play the celtics knicks nets those six games all in a you know two-week period Yo, and you're going to play those and you can really kind of push them in, get them done and get out um, and those kind of things. So I think that is going to be interesting as well to see how they approach that because they want to limit the travel. Um, so so that's what the teams sound like. They're all kind of pretty close to an agreement on. Then you got the player side, as you said, Michelle <laughs> Roberts. Um, you know, she came out in, in a recent interview and said, "Yeah, I don't know about this December twenty second date." As you mentioned, Chris Haynes at Yahoo is reporting, "Yo, yeah, players aren't happy." When he's saying star players, we know who Chris is close to. Yep. that's LeBron. That's AD. And you know what? I'm not no criticism because they shouldn't be happy about it. I mean, they're going to play real games that count two months after. You know, f- finishing out a you know a very uh, 
draining, stressful title run. That that was weird. I mean, and 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 I know some people are saying like LeBron will take the first month of the season off. I don't think he will. It just not, right. It, it doesn't ever speak to who he is. But what you may see is, all right. So we got the uh, the, the Warriors this week, yo, know, and then we got a game after that against the Kings, and then we got the you know Hornets coming in. All right, I'll play in the Warriors game, and then I'll take the Hornets game off, or something like that. You're gonna, I think you're gonna see those things for those teams that were played later into the bubble. The other challenge, though, so what the players really want is, all right, we understand we can't push it to February or March, and we know all yep. the reasons for that. Um, but we want to have it be the um, – we we would rather do the MLK start date. But what you have on the players' side there is you have eight teams that are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's almost a year from they the last time we March. played a game. Yeah. You know, we don't want that. You know, we want to get back in there um, and play at the, you know, play earlier time. So that's what the, I, so long lead up to what I think is going to happen. I think it's going to be that right around Christmas date. Maybe they give a little and they, they sacrifice Christmas this year and they, they play on the first or something like that in January. And they push, that's kind of, they, they meet middle ground more towards the, uh, what the owner's side want um, because, I think you're going to have that split in the players association where you've got eight to 10 teams that are, no, we're good to start earlier because we want to get back at this versus, you know, you've got four to maybe eight teams that are more, we want the longer period of time. And then everybody in the middle is kind of like, doesn't matter to us either way we can go. So I don't know that they're going to get the, um, what they need on that. And you may see some concessions like, you know, all right, if LeBron wants to show up a week in a training camp or whatever it is, fine. You know, whereas in a normal year, that'd be, you know, a thing that's punishable by a fine and those kind of things. Maybe they just say, all right, you know, if you want to show up a little bit later, if you were one of the final four teams or one of the final eight teams or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, so we know, you know, it's funny. I know we keep saying this still. All we know is November 18th is the NBA draft. That's it. We don't know free agency. We don't know anything else. It does sound like, too, there were reports that maybe free agency would start, you know, the weekend right after, which is the right. weekend before. I saw December 1st. Yeah, and now it sounds like start. December 1st is going to be closer yeah. to what it'll be because um, I think Michelle Roberts is like, well, we've got a lot of stuff to figure out between now and then. And I think there's also a push from there's – I know, I don't think. I know there's a push from a lot of people in the league. Like, we do not want free agency over Thanksgiving. You know, get through the Thanksgiving holiday mm-hmm. and then we'll go. I don't know if I've told the story on here, but I had someone in the NBA front office say every year I, I you know, run away from the 4th of July barbecue. And if I give that up for a real you know, family holiday like Thanksgiving, my wife's going to kill me. You know, and that's just you know, the reality of like we, we don't want that. So, so yeah, so I, I don't know that, that we get that a couple of days after. I think it will be probably you know about a week after on around the first that free agency opens. And then the season, let's call it late December, maybe early January. Okay, so there's, there's a few things to unpack there. First of all, you've got uh, Danny Green gave a, an interview uh, a few days ago. And he mentioned, you know, talking about the dates and everything, he talked about, okay, well, don't be, you know, don't be surprised if maybe LeBron doesn't play the first month of the season. And then Jared Dudley kind of echoed that a little bit on Twitter. He said, you know, you can't be crying then 
if yep. star players are sitting out of the nationally yep. televised games if you're pushing us back this fast. Because for teams like like the Lakers, it's I think it's 75 days between Game Six yeah. and a December Crazy. 22nd start date. Which and and people have to factor in training camp would be starting at the beginning of December. So it's not even like they it's not like they have from Game Six all the way till December 22nd. No, they've yeah. got to get back into training. It's it's a very very short time period. Realistically, you've got three, maybe four weeks to kind of let your body recover to some degree. Um, And so that's a challenge. Uh, But Green also mentioned, hey, you know what? Other teams, we're going to be in the minority with this opinion because other teams have been home since March. Some teams left the bubble early. And so I do see it starting up earlier than teams like the Lakers would want. Um, And then when you go to, to free agency, we did hear that, you know, November 18th, 19th, or November 18th would be a draft, but November 20th and November 21st at, at first was going to be free agency. And the sense is that that's such a quick turnaround. You think about all the activity on draft night, all the trade yep. talks that teams have to have, then you're going to get, what, two days? You have to suddenly start signing free agents or having those negotiations, which is why now we're starting to hear, and this is a, a, di- a little bit of a different topic, but Keith, we're starting to hear that teams and free agents are yeah. already talking yeah. and that some deals might even be agreed to, now obviously verbally, yeah. but they're talking now. Keith, last year, we, you and I talked about this, about how deals were being done before free agency started. The yeah. NBA wasn't happy with it. They were going to yep. crack down on it. This year, I don't think they they can say anything about it because everything is no. so condensed. What are oh, teams supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to have to do one of these yeah. because it's, uh, it's already happening. Right, they they're gonna you know do do a you know turn a blind eye to it and even more than they usually do because I right I always use Kemba Walker as the example. Oh, really? Free agency opened two minutes ago, and this guy signed right. a four year max deal with Boston, who was barely even mentioned as a as a as a uh, team. But Woj right free agency opened at six o'clock East Coast time on the Sunday, yeah. um, which was fantastic. Please keep that whatever you do. Yo, don't we don't need midnight. Nobody wants that. Not even the people on the West Coast <laughs> want that. You know, like they. they oh you know, my gosh, I know the, the Luol Dang news, which is painful, right? But the Luol Dang news, <laughs> it, it was like one a.m. like Pacific time. Yeah. It was like one a.m. when the Luol yeah. Dang thing nope. came out. I mean, that was yeah. yes. Let's keep it in the middle of the day, yeah. please. Yes, please. Um. So, and Woj had reported it like Friday night that Kemba was going to the Celtics. Mm-hmm. So if they hadn't talked, how did that happen? You know, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, what magic? Like, you know, that's so dumb. <laughs> um, but yeah, this year you have to, right? You have to just assume it's going to go on. I've talked to teams that are convinced. I was asking around about some players, um, you know, and there were people who were like, yeah, I think that that guy's already got a deal somewhere. They're all very clear. It's not us. Right. You know, it's not us. We would never. You know, but it was very clear. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. And now multiple other uh, people have also reported as well, you know, that they're in, they've heard similar things. So, so yeah, I, th- I think it's just, you know, it's just kind of the reality of the way this season is going. And I can tell you that from my conversation with people with teams, they're extremely frustrated that they don't have the cap number. Yeah. And one of the things you're starting to hear now is there was a lot of downtime in the bubble. Like, Michelle Roberts doesn't play games. Adam Silver doesn't play games. None of their lawyers were prepping for playoff games. You know, Chris Paul was out. You know, he's the president of the Players Association. His season was over. Even if he was home, you use Zoom, you bring him in. Why were why was this not getting done? You know, then like, well, why did we have to wait for the season to end? And there was a sense of, well, let's make sure we can actually get it done. But I think by the time we were to the finals, 
we knew the season was going to end and end successfully. Right. I mean, it would have had to be really go sideways for that to not go that way. So I think you had that. And then I think the other piece is you had the um, the the, you've got now that they are like, we still don't have option dates. We don't have guarantee dates. We don't have any of these things. And it's making it very hard for both players and teams to plan and decide, you know, what are we going to do? What is my timing on this? What does this look like? And it's funny because for three weeks running now, I have heard from people, hopefully by the end of the week. People are still saying that this week, and it's Thursday. You know, maybe. Now, Michelle Roberts did come out and say in an interview um, she thinks the cap is going to be flat. She thinks the tax is going to be flat. I know teams are pushing hard that the tax does not stay flat. Cap flat, they're good with. They want the tax to rise. They want it to go up to the 139 projection um, because that will free up player movement that gives them a little more moves. I tweeted about this earlier today that if you don't – if you keep the tax flat, Boston, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, and Golden State are deep into the tax, and you've got – three other teams that are probably going to be in the tax with one signing. And then you've got about four or five other teams that are going to be, you know, into the tax if they just resign a couple of their own free agents. And now all of a sudden it's like, boy, that's a, you know, you're really hurting player movement because there's just nothing left to give those guys. So that's going to be, be, you know, something to really monitor um, where that tax line lands. The only teams that benefits are the teams that are for sure going to have cap space. Everybody else, you know, they'd much rather have the higher tax line. Um, and even the teams with tax, you know, cap space, I don't know. So I think that's going to be one that comes down to, you know, the um, Players Association likely wants it to be higher because that frees up movement, right? More player movement, the better. And then on the team side, I think you're going to have the four or five, six teams with cap space are going to be really fighting, you know, no, don't raise it against the 25 teams or so that, that don't. And that's just going to, you know, then it just becomes math at that point. It'll be, you know, set it. So, so we'll see. But if it stays flat, flat, then we're, we're really close. Sounds like that's close. I wouldn't be surprised if that is, you know, announced by the end of the weekend. Um, you know, this is what the tax line will be set at. Then they'll move right into the, they, they probably are working, you know, concurrently with here's all the dates, here's all that other stuff. So I do think it's getting really close. It's just frustrating that here we are, you know, now it's going to be November. Yeah. By the end of this coming weekend, and we are less than three weeks out from the NBA draft. Three weeks from today is the NBA draft, right? Or less than three weeks? Well, I know we're yeah, close we're right there. to that. It is, and we still don't have the numbers that teams need to be able to start doing stuff. And that's really hampering business for what you know is transactionally around the NBA. That's where I wish you know, and there've been a million times a season where I got, I wish I could be a fly on the wall in this GM's office or whatever, but I can only imagine if those discussions are happening right now, GMs are, are calling up free agents or at least, you know, communicating in some way, right? Some clandestine way They're They're figuring out some secret message. I don't know. Maybe they're using carrier pigeons. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they're, how they're communicating to keep it all on the up and up at this point, but, right. but could you imagine having those discussions? Hey, we'd really love to have you come in. We're going to offer you a contract. Would you like to play for our team? We think you can help us contend. Sure. How much are you going to pay me? I don't know. I don't know how much we can give you. Just, I mean, I know they can get ballpark and everything, but but still, sure. without having those cap numbers, it makes it really difficult yep. to not only, I mean, not just having those yeah. discussions, but plan moving forward. So I, but I do think you're right. I think it's going to wind up at 109 million. I think that they do probably bump things up in terms of the tax because right now, given everything that's going on, flexibility is key. And I think giving a little bit there will help the teams out a lot. The players will like it. 
that's something that that I could see moving forward. But I think yeah. even if they don't, even if they don't do that, we're going to see a number of just bargain deals this year, this offseason, that wind up being one-year contracts because those players that kind of get get left without a chair, so to speak, when the music stops and the yeah. cap space dries up, yeah. they're going to be looking to get back out onto the market pretty quickly. But we're going to see some deals this yeah. offseason that just raise eyebrows and we're going to be like, how did that guy go for that little money? And it's because of this situation yeah. that we're talking about. Yeah, it's ca- it's definitely going to cause guys to opt in who wouldn't otherwise, mm-hmm. which we already knew that was coming. Right. But yeah, but then we're going to have these guys who take these one-year deals. I think the summer of 2021, when we're back on our normal cycle, I think that potentially could be the largest class of free agents we ever have. Because oh. I think you're going to have all these guys opt in this year um, that will become free agents next year, plus all the combination of all these guys are going to take one-year deals. Plus the guys who are already scheduled to be free agents, I think that's going to be. I'm not necessarily saying the best class because last which was what 50 percent right of the class of yeah, the yeah. of the league yep. was hitting so free agency I, last I think, year. I think you're going to see. Yeah, I think you're going to see it be you know 50, 60 percent wow. of the guys you know next year when it all is said and done because of just the way this this off season is going to play out. I, I think it's going to be you know, a lot of those one year deals or one plus ones that are really one year deals and. Those kind of things. So yeah, it's interesting. And then just be, if people are wondering, you know, with the tax, you know, why why does it matter? Because it's about a six million dollar difference. Well, I can break it down for you. For a team like the Celtics, the Celtics could, if it stays where where it's at, they're about eight to ten million over. Um, with a couple of trades, yo, or Ennis Cantor leaves, or Gordon Hayward opts out and resigns for a lower number, something like that, they can get out of the tax entirely. Um, with with very minimal things having to happen. If they are 11, 12, 13, 14 million dollars over, it becomes a huge challenge because then now you've got to do a lot of stuff to get you know, out of the, the tax. And at that point, you start to really think about it like, all right, do we just bite the bullet? Do we pay it this year and just call it what it is and we move on? And those kind of things. So that's, you know, six million dollars when it comes to the tax is a pretty different you know, pretty massive amount. So, so yeah, it's again, you know, I know I say this phrase a lot, but it's going to be interesting to see where that lands because it's just, you know, it's really, really important around the league. It frees, could free up different exceptions for teams as well. So, you know, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But if you want to talk some teams? Let's now? do it. And uh, to this this show, we're doing the Central Division. And so let's kick things off. Let's, let's start with the top. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, look, they they got bounced out of the playoffs a little bit earlier than anybody was expecting. I think most, myself included, were expecting them to make it all the way to the NBA Finals. That did not happen. They ran into a red-hot Miami Heat squad. But, uh, Keith, I I think that the big question for them, obviously, at the the top, the first thing they have to figure out is, does Giannis take the Supermax deal that'll be on the table or not? And then... Everything else kind of goes from there. But if he does go ahead and take that, I feel like they are. there's some moves they can make around the edges, but they're mostly locked into this team that they've got. Yeah, I, I think you are, if you just look at their cap sheet, they're pretty much who they yeah. are at this point. It moves around the edges, maybe fill out a couple of rotation spots. The good news for them is they don't necessarily have a lot of rotation spots to fill. They're one of the deeper teams in the league this past season. They've got a lot of really good players. I think more of their trouble is schematically. You know, they, they just they, their scheme does not work in the playoffs. You know, when a team sees you four, five, six, seven games in a two-week span – 
they kind of figure you out and they know how to get after you. Now, Miami, you know, let's not go too crazy. Miami maybe has the player who's best positioned in the NBA to slow down Giannis in Bam Adebayo um, just because he's roughly the same size. He's quick. He's strong. He can, you know, match a lot of what Giannis does. Um, that, that said, with Giannis, I think I will not be surprised. I don't think he signs the Supermax extension this offseason. Oh but I would not be surprised if he did, um, I guess is the best way mm-hmm. to put it. I think it's in his best interest to not do it because put the pressure on the team. What LeBron used to do in Cleveland, yeah. right? Put the pressure on him every single year to keep improving the team and keep you know, making moves. Make them go into the luxury tax if they have to to build you you know, a good team. They've said that they will. Now you know, hold them to it. Make them, them do that. Um, I think that's, that's the only reason not to. But it wouldn't surprise me because – I've said it time and time again. Giannis is just built a little differently. And I think he does love Milwaukee. I think that's home for him. That's home for him. And now he's got a family Mm -hmm. there and, you know, all that stuff. So I I do think, you know, there is a good chance that he's going to stay, you know, and stay, stay there long term. Um, But it just, it just wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, as a leverage play held out and said, let's see what you do, you know, building out this roster. And then that's when it would get really interesting. Right, because now all of a sudden it's there. What do we do, you know, pieces wise? There's these Victor Oladipo. Um, I believe it was Kevin O'Connor yeah. um, was the first one to report it. I have a hard time seeing how the Bucks get there salary wise. I just, you know, I don't don't know. I mean, they, they could. You could do, you know, Ursan um, Ilyasova, and maybe you know if you guarantee them, and maybe uh, you know Robin Lopez or something, and uh, DJ Wilson, and now all of a sudden you're probably right there within range, um, you know, and it'd be picks and those kind of things. And clearly, Oladipo would be a pretty cool fit there. I think that'd be you know a lot of fun um, with that group. But yeah, th- those are the kind of things that I think are going to be interesting. Is do they have the pieces to be able to go make that big upgrade? Is it Eric Bledsoe plus, plus, plus for Chris Paul? Right. You know, do, do you do something like that? That's hard, though, if you're the Bucks because that's a move you do if you've got Giannis locked up. If you don't, then it's like, eh, we might want to pivot if you leave. No, 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 that I want Chris Paul at $45 million on the books. But is that the move that gets Giannis to say, okay, you're doing everything you need to do to win? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's a, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting stare down, I think, between those two. And, and I thought, I heard an interesting wrinkle, and I don't remember where I saw this, but you can correct me if I'm wrong here on this, Keith. With the Supermax deals, with Giannis, they can offer it. But then during the season, once the season begins... He can't just go and sign that contract. That contract is gone till the next till the next off season, right? So, I think that's interesting because it's not like the 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 Bucks can be. They're not going to have to answer the or ask him the question all the time. Like, hey, you just won three games in a row. Do you want to sign that contract now? Like, you're not going to be getting those types of questions from reporter from reporters. But if he doesn't sign it this off season, that's not going to stop the. Every place they go, hey, would you consider playing here? What do you think about this yeah. city? I mean, it's yeah. it's a nightmare for teams to deal with. And so yeah. I know Milwaukee is hoping that he will go ahead and sign that thing. But if he doesn't, man, that it's going to be a huge storyline the entire year, what Giannis might do Absolutely. the following offseason. And is there a point where Milwaukee has to start considering trade offers as, as we get closer to the, to the, uh, the trade deadline if he's not giving them any indication that he'll stay? Yeah, and he is, you know, for the guys, the two-time reigning MVPs, 
top three player in the league, no, you know, depending on where you want to put them. Um, I, I don't imagine anybody has them lower than third on their list. If they do, you know, please tell us because I want to tell you, you know, how wrong you are. Um, but it is his salary number is twenty seven million. It's not forty. It's not no. high thirties. That's a number that you can get to for other teams, you know, without having to trade seven guys if an in-season deal comes. I think if Milwaukee, if he does, if he says I'm not signing it now, in the then the Bucks either trade him before the start of the season and say go somewhere else, figure it out with them next year as a free agent, or the Bucks say you're staying like he's not going anywhere. I think it's far more likely it's that second one. It'll be a belief of we're going to win enough. We're going to, you know, get there. We're going to have the right pieces around you and go, and, you know, and then we'll, you know, keep you here forever. Um, you know, as much as forever is in the NBA. So three, four more seasons. Um, but it is, you know, I think, I, I think that's the way it goes for them. Um, you know, other roster stuff for, for them. Um, I apologize. I'm looking away from the camera cause I'm looking at my sheet here. Arsene Nelly Silva, $7 million, fully non-guaranteed. My guess is they just guarantee that and bring him okay. back. He's been a pretty good, you know, deep rotation big man. Um, free agents, Pat Connaughton is the interesting one to me. Um, you know, he was a rotation player for them. I thought he played pretty good. Um, he's, you know, good uh, wing guy with decent size, good athleticism, decent shooter. That one's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see. Does another team come in with a chunk of their ch- chunk of an exception? To pay him. Sterling Brown, he's a guy I know there's a couple teams in the league who really like, who think with a bigger, more established regular role, Sterling Brown can be a really good wing player um, in the NBA. Robin Lopez, my guess is he opts in for the five million. His brother's there. You know, the, the risk he has with that is then he becomes a very nice trade piece if he opts in. I think Wesley Matthews, it's $2.7 million, but it's really a minimum yeah. deal for Matthews. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he opts out and then re-signs on another two-year minimum deal. Um, that wouldn't shock me at all. Marvin Williams is a pending free agent, but we know he already said he's going to retire. Mm-hmm. So that's really it for the for the box. Um, Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver's now at the phase where he's just if he wants to play, he can pick his spot, sign for the minimum with anybody, and you know be a bench shooter for that team. So yeah, I don't I don't see a whole heck of a lot. You know, mm-hmm. for them, I think there's a good chance that they come back looking like a pretty similar roster next season. Agreed. And with that, let's jump over to the Indiana Pacers. We talked a little bit about Victor Oladipo. Obviously, that's going to be a lot of the questions swirling around Indiana this offseason. So let's start there. He has one year remaining on his contract, $21 million. Um, there have been questions about whether or not the Pacers will want to pay him, particularly with the other contracts they've got on the books. You've got Malcolm Brogdon at almost $21 million next season. You've got Miles Turner at 18. TJ Warren is on the books at uh, almost $12 million. Jeremy Lamb's getting uh, 10.5. So you've got some contracts, Doug McDermott, that are that are stacking up this next year. Of course, Domitas Sabonis is now at 18.5. That adds up really quick. So we're- It's actually higher for Sabonis, too. Because he hit some bonuses, oh. so he's at nineteen point eight. Wow. Okay. So that's so, uh, even more. Yeah. So, yep. where uh, where do you see things going with Oladipo first and foremost? Yeah, it's tough. You have to if you're going to keep him, you have to believe that you have a chance to resign him, or that you have a chance to contend for a championship team with championship with this team as presently constructed. The reason being is. They don't have a ton of flexibility. They are just below the tax. You just rattled off a whole bunch of those salaries. While they don't have anybody making 30 or 40, they've got one, 
two, three, four, five, six guys all making ten million mm-hmm. plus. That's that adds up real quick, and you know a couple of those guys are basically twenty. So once you get up that high, all of a sudden it's all right. This is a pretty expensive team. You've got uh, you, you don't have any looming free agents, you know, other than Oladipo, um, Doug McDermott, T.J. McConnell. You're not too you know overly worried about them next year. That's you know you figure that out when it comes. So I think if you're the Pacers, what you have to do is you need to look at this and say, all right, can we win a championship? Even if Oladipo leaves after the season, but we think we can win a championship, then you keep him. But if you if your answer to that is yeah, probably not this year, and then you're looking at and saying, and he's probably leaving, then you really need to look and see if you can find a move. And you're trying to parlay that into guys who can come in, fit in better around Turner, Sabonis, Warren, and really push that team forward. The nice thing is with a guy like Malcolm Brogdon as the the other backcourt guy, you could go either way there, right? You could bring back a point guard and play Brogdon off yes. the ball. You could bring in more of a true you know uh, wing and play Brogdon on the ball is the point um you know they, they're set up pretty flexible roster wise so yeah the pacers are they're in a little bit of a tough spot with him and that decision i think is ultimately what guides where this team goes moving forward yeah if they you know they're they're pretty well stuck but how they change up this roster can be how it can be an oladipo trade that's how they can get some different pieces and to really mix it up otherwise yep. if they decide not to trade him they're probably going to look very, very similar to the way they look right now. What are your thoughts on the Miles Turner, Domitas Sabonis pairing? Is that something they want to stick with long term? Because that is a lot of money committed to those two players. Now, I learned how to say his name since our last show. It's Nate Bjorkgren. Oh, there we go. Um, Bjorkgren. <laughs> um, so so I did, did go learn how to say that. He is. Um, he has experience under Nick Nurse playing two bigs. Mm-hmm with Gasol and Ibaka, who aren't really all that dissimilar to Sabonis and Turner. Turner's kind of plays an Ibaka-type role where he's a shot blocker in the defensive end. He's got range on the offensive end. Sabonis, good passer, you know, good kind of all-around big, um, much like Gasol is. So, So I wouldn't be surprised if there's not this big rush to split it up. You know, maybe see how it works for another year. Maybe go into the year seeing how it works. I think they are probably both both best if they're playing at the five. Um, the challenge is you've got to have the right kind of four. Um, if Sabonis is your five, you need an athletic shot blocking four next to him. Um, and then if Turner's at the five, you need someone who's a little more rugged. You start to look at it and say, well, geez, don't they both kind of pair well together then? And I think you could make that work. Mm-hmm. I think you very could, you know, very easily could say, you know, geez, you know, these guys fit pretty good together. So I don't, I don't think they're going to be in a huge rush to split it up. I know Celtics fans are like, no, Hayward for, you know, Turner <laughs> and Oladipo and Hayward and Picks and all these other people. And it's like, yeah, that's probably not, not a real thing. I don't know that that, you know, makes sense for either team to do that. And then uh, counter with, but he's from Indiana, you know, okay, great. <laughs> like, that doesn't mean he's in a huge rush to go back there. Like, you know, let's not, let's not go crazy. So yeah, I, th- I think it's, um, I think the most likely is we see this team just kind of look pretty similar uh, going forward into next year as they do right now. Yeah, I have seen that that talk about Hayward to Indiana and figure out something to make that, that work, but I don't know that that's really the way they're going to go. And I, I do think the other thing on this, on this before we move on is T.J. Warren was tremendous in the bubble. My God, did, awesome. he, did he catch fire? Yep. And I think they found something with him as the, as the four. 
out there in terms of giving them that offensive punch. So that gives them another look that they can kind of play with. It may not be how they start, obviously, with Turner and and Sabonis, but I still, I think it gives them a little bit of flexibility. You mentioned the flexibility with Brogdon playing the one or the two. You also have that uh, that with uh, with TJ Warren as well. So there is there is some room. Can you kind of? envision these guys being like Raptors light Mm -hmm. with the two bigs being like the Raptors, two bigs Warren playing kind of the Siakam role as a high usage forward. Um, And then Nola Depot and Brogdon playing like the Lowry Van Vliet, you know, dual ball handler role in the backcourt. I could, I can very easily see that kind of being the, the, the plan here. Now the problem is you're doing it with, you know, a lot of lesser players in, in some cases. So that becomes something you've really got to kind of figure out. Um, But, you know, I don't, I I think that could be the, the, at least the initial plan is let's get a look and see what this thing looks like. And then if we've got these problems, let's move it forward. Um, One key free agent for them, Justin holiday, Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard for them to keep him. Like I said, they're dancing right around the tax line. Um, And they are not a team that historically is, we'll pay the tax. We'll, you know, go, go deep into the tax. So they're another team that, you know, depending on where the tax falls, if it comes in at the lower number, it makes it really hard on them to keep uh, Justin Holiday and stay under the tax. If the tax comes in at the higher number, that becomes a lot easier to do. Now, his brother is there, so that could be, be you know, a reason to keep him there. But he's a guy a lot of teams like because he's, again, a good a wing with good size, who's a very good shooter. I think you could see you know, other teams really chasing heavily after him, and it could be tough for Indiana to keep yeah, him. Yeah, agreed. I think he'll be in demand. Okay, let's let's yep. jump over to the sh- <laughs> let, 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 teams that are at a very different teams that are in a very different station at this point. Uh, <laughs> the Chicago Bull the Chicago Bulls were not very fun to watch last season for for much of the season, but um, but they've got some pieces, and I think Complete they have lost. What's that? Right. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but a completely lost yes. season. They never had their guys healthy. Everybody, they, anytime they had somebody come back, another guy was out. You know, so I don't think they got any chance at all to evaluate mm-hmm. who that that team was. And now you've right? got they, they never get to see those guys together. And now you've got a new coach at the helm, and you've got you've yep. got some young players to potentially build around. I guess let's let's start at the top. You've got a uh, player option for Otto Porter Jr. I am assuming it's locked in. He's going to pick that up. It's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a 28 million. I think so. <laughs> um he's picking that <laughs> yeah. up but but jumping down to the next guy in terms of payroll, you've got Zach Levine at 19 and a half million. Uh he showed some real flashes last season and he got up into the I believe mid 20s in terms of his average scoring shot well from behind the arc he's obviously an athletic uh freak but i've heard some rumblings that maybe they look to to move him what are your thoughts on on zach levine is he a piece that they want to hang on to and build around moving forward yeah i'm going to give you my zach levine thoughts as the overall bull slots i want to see them more or less run it back with this same group and hopefully better health and see what is it that they've got right do you have something with these guys together with a you know, what should be in Billy Donovan, a far better coach than what they had previous. So that's what I want to see. Better coach, better health. Is this team pretty good? Because I think they could conceivably contend for the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. There's no, they're not that far off Orlando. Um, and then whoever kind of drifts back in the East, I apologize, they're, they're cutting the grass. So if that gets picked up, so that's what's happening outside. No um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's, um, you know, I do. I, I think, 
I think they're they're they've got a you know pretty good team. You've got a couple good solid bench vets and Sadaransky and Thaddeus Young around all the younger guys up front. I think Kobe White was a real find. Yep. You know, he I think proved he's a you know real NBA player. So yeah, I, I kind of just want to see him run it back and you know let, let's see what we can do here. Which then to me that makes the interesting question: What do you do with Chris Dunn? Yes. But before we get there, what do you think about Levine? Would you bring him back or or are you looking to move on? Uh, selfishly, I'd love to see him get moved to I don't know maybe the Lakers or something. But no, I I think I think because there there've been a ton. I almost just spit Coke all over because <laughs> I knew I and I shouldn't have I should have seen it. Coming. There have been no I I have been we do our Lakers Nation live show twice a week right now. We're doing Mondays and Thursdays at nine o'clock Pacific time. Um, and I get inundated by Zach Levine questions. Everybody's saying, oh, okay, if the Lakers would give this up for Victor Oladipo, why don't you just give that for Zach Levine? Or, <laughs> there, or, or there, why don't you, Ed, why don't you get that. Bradley Beal, right? Um, well, that's, yes. that's a different – Yeah, yeah that's, and that's a whole different level. That's a bridge too far. Right, and so yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think the Bulls are going to be – like I think they would listen, but I don't think they're going to be shopping Levine – around i think the athletic talent is simply too high i know you've got some defensive concerns there but you brought in a new head coach you might as well see if you can get some of those things to come around if you can improve his feel for the game and then add that to his immense physical talent and now he's shown shooting ability this is a guy who i think could be a really interesting piece moving forward so i think that they they hang on to him and you've got him under contract it's not like you have to make a decision on him right now he's at 19 and a half million this season and next season. So if it's just not working out, then maybe you revisit something at the trade deadline or next off season or whatever. But I, I think there's something here. He flashed last season. And so I think there's something to, to hang on to there from the Bulls perspective. Um, I, I don't love the fit with Kobe White in no. him as a backcourt, but I also don't hate it either. I'm more curious to see, can they make right. it work? I think the next big evolution in the NBA we, we've, I think we've pushed things as far as small ball about as far as it can go. I think the next big evolution is going to be dual ball handlers and creators in your backcourt. I, I think it think seems saw how much the Raptors got out of that. Um, you know, this year, I think um, we saw in the finals what the um, the Lakers were able to do with Rondo and LeBron playing together. I think we also saw um, the Heat when they had Dragic and Hero together. Um, if you have two guys who can really create together in the backcourt, I think it just makes life easier on everybody. So, you know, that's, um, you know, I kind of like the idea. Let's see what those two guys do together. Agreed. Agreed. Now, uh, Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn, I mean, yeah. I mean, look, he's he's one of the better defenders at the guard position. But yep. is he a fit moving forward? And what are you willing to pay to keep him? I think that that's that's a really big question here for the Chicago for the Chicago Bulls to answer. What's interesting with Chris Dunn is I went at about probably the trade deadline as I was looking forward into the offseason. Uh-huh. I very much believed they might not even give him a qualifying out of fear he'll just sign it right. um that was also when i thought maybe Otto porter jr opts out and they could get into the cap space running um but then i was like then i looked at him like you know don has played pretty good he's played mm-hmm. played pretty good defense he really became one of the best defensive guards in the league um you know he's re- really good there he's a guy who can create a little bit offensively you know play a little bit of point guard for you so so i think that's also you know something there so yeah as i you know really kind of at it now i think it's the bulls would be looking you know let's see if we can get him on something team friendly 
you know, something maybe eight, nine million a year over the next three, four seasons, three, four years. Um, you know, and that's what we do. Or, you know, does Dunn just look at it and say, you know what, I'm gonna sign my qualifying off for seven million. I'll play it out and I'll hit the unrestricted market, you know, next summer, and then that'll be where we go. That's gonna be uh, an interesting question for them to to look at. And then you've also got Denzel Valentine. Yeah. What do you what yeah. do you think of there? Nah, nothing. I, yeah. you know, I, that one I am a little more on the fence. Do they even offer him the qualifying offer? He's never right. been healthy. I liked Denzel. That's the Valentine challenge. I liked him too. That's that's why I keep going back yeah. to him. Is I I liked him a lot, but I mean, you and I don't. The floor. You and I have not done a lot of draft stuff. Um, but you, one of the things you will learn is I have this stupid affinity for Michigan State players, <laughs> and I don't know where it came from because I have no. No attachment to that school at all in my life, but I just I, I see these Michigan State guys, and I think they're all going to be good. I still think Miles Bridges is going to be awesome. I still have Brandon Dawson stock, who sucks and isn't even in the NBA anymore. <laughs> so I just have this like block on. I think they're all going to be good. But yeah, Valentine, can't, he just can't stay healthy, so he's never been healthy enough to show what he could do. And last year would have been a great time mm-hmm. because the Bulls were always missing Porter or Levine or somebody was always out. He could have played you know a lot of minutes and you know i just so yeah i think it's probably best for he might be a nice kind of second draft guy you'll go somewhere else mm-hmm. you know for maybe a team like the hornets grabs him where he could play some and pick him up and you know see if he can kind of get his career on track there but yeah i don't i don't have a lot of thoughts thoughts on him Shaq harrison another guy he's a you know fringe you know minimum end of the bench guy right there so yeah i, th- I think the bulls you know not to make it real boring, but I, I do think their best path is just run it back, you know, more or less. You know, keep, keep done, bring everybody else back, and hope for better health with a better coach and see where you go. All right, let's jump over to a team that uh, that really can't just run it back because otherwise they wouldn't have enough players, and that's the, <laughs> the Detroit Pistons who have, uh, who have some cap space. I don't know if anybody's going to want to go play there, but I think first and foremost they've got to figure out what their future is in terms of Blake Griffin – and Derek Rose, two aging veterans. Obviously, Blake Griffin making considerably more. I guess let's start there with Blake Griffin. Does anyone want Blake Griffin at this point? Can you see a team trading for him? Because it feels like the Pistons, to me, from my perspective anyway, are positioned where they can really start uh, start over fresh, but you've got to figure out a new home for, for Griffin. Yeah, it's tough, right? Because before last year, he was awesome. You know, mm-hmm. two seasons ago, all he NBA was. guy, really played well, looked like, all right, that contract's going to be okay. And then he suffered through, you know, he got hurt late in that that season, so, you know, struggled in the playoffs, was probably never healthy at all last season, even when he did play, and then missed the whole end of the season. So I think, I think that one's a little tough if you feel, if you're from another team's perspective, if you feel like, you know, we could really use a four, um, we could, you know, really – need this guy because he's not a small ball five you can't really play play him there he's got to play the four um but if you felt good about it and like this is a guy who can push us over the top to be a title contender you could talk yourself into it it's just matching 36.8 million that's hard in salary that that's tough um even in the off season in none of the cap space teams you know I know, you know, there's a Knicks joke in there being begging to be made somewhere, <laughs> but I don't think they're going to do anything like that. I, you know, the Hornets, the the Hawks, that doesn't make sense. The Suns can't get there um, money-wise, you know, to, to make that happen very easily. I mean, maybe they could put off Ubre and something along with their cap space for Griffin. 
that ah, could be maybe a little bit interesting, but I don't. I just I, I think that's too expensive for because of the thirty eight point nine next season in twenty one twenty two. Um, so yeah, I think this is just going to be one the Pistons are going to have to ride it out, and then maybe as an expiring contract in twenty one twenty two, you can move that money a little bit easier in what should be a much freer um, moving market. What I think is interesting is, and my sense of it is this: that I think there's a greater demand. For as bad as people have talked about this contract for Chris Paul, than yeah. for Bl- for Blake Griffin and people, you know, close. a year ago we wouldn't have been saying that because Chris Paul yeah. was. I mean, people consider that contract to be toxic, and now here we are. And I think teams could easily talk. The I mean, obviously, getting to that number, getting to forty million for Chris Paul is really difficult. But I think teams would have an easier time talk them, talking themselves into paying for a thirty five, thirty six year old Chris Paul than they would for Blake Griffin. Yeah, I don't think it's even close. I would much rather have Chris Paul at this point. We just saw Chris Paul complete an entirely healthy season, playing really great, You know, playing as good as he's ever played. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll go a step further. I think even a guy like John Wall has more value than Blake Griffin because I think what you can talk yourself into with Wall is – Full year removed, you know, two years removed from these injuries. Now, you know, let, let's mm-hmm. see him get back. You know, let, let's see what he really is. And maybe he could get there. Well, with Blake, it's just a little too recent with that injury history that I think that might get in people's heads of like, I don't know. Plus, it's like with, with Wall, you can also look at it and say, you know, that was kind of a freak thing that happened where he, you know, hurt himself and then he fully tore his Achilles and another freak injury. You know, that's not going to happen again. And then I think with Griffin, you're kind of looking at him like, uh, knee injuries were big man and he's had a history of it is this just going to be a thing where this guy's not going to be 40 or 50 games every year and i don't know what i'm going to get out of him so yeah that i would just you know that's that's maybe a little too far i don't know i'd have to really think that one through a little bit more i mean neither they're both pretty high on the list of contracts nobody wants list um but yeah i just i don't know but Derek rose you mentioned him too right 7.7 million this coming season for him solid um yeah, really. I mean, very easily movable number. Yep. Had a really good season. Um, clearly, is very comfortable now in the six man role. I can't think of a playoff team that he doesn't make sense for. Um, you know, I th- think all of them. You know, would love to have it. I think it's just going to be for Detroit. Is is that a move you make now, or do you hold on to him? Really, you know, let him drum up interest throughout the course of the season and move him at the deadline. I don't. If I'm if I'm the Pistons, I'm moving. Yeah, I'm, I'm moving. I'm moving him now. If I'm the Pistons, yep. because I don't want to risk that. You know, he has an injury history. I don't want to risk that he he gets hurt, and then you can get nothing for him. Um, he's a guy that oh. if, if I can get, and, and like you said, he fits with a lot of teams, and the contract is movable. So if I'm the Pistons, I am this off season going to move him and extract as much valuable value as I possibly can moving forward. And then if you have to eat that Blake Griffin contract, then you've got to just eat that for another year, but at least you've cashed in on a veteran already. And then you can kind of build your team moving forward. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. Let's be really clear for that moving forward part. Yeah. Blake is the only bad money on this entire yes, that's roster. Just it. Tony Snell's 12.2 million this year, but that's one more year. Like and they're gonna be terrible this year yeah. anyway. So whatever, if you gotta ride that contract out, you do. But but other than that, I mean, they they have as close to as clear books as you can possibly have, mm-hmm. um, and still have players under contract, which is you know a pretty cool spot for Troy Weaver as a brand new GM to kind of be in, is because like you're almost coming into kind of a blank slate here. Their key guy though this summer it's Christian Wood. Yes. Right. I mean, what are you doing with Christian Wood? They here's the challenge for the Pistons. They only have early bird rights on Wood, 
So in order to give him anything above um, like the roughly the mid-level exception money, mm-hmm. they have to use their cap space. I would. I'd give him somewhere in that 12 to $15 million a year range right. in starting salary. I'd dip into the cap space because what the hell else are you using it on? You're not using it on anything good anyway. Might as well keep a good younger player um, in the uniform. Um, but that that is you know just one thing because there are teams out there that think that they could use their full mid-level and get Christian Wood away from the Pistons, and I just don't see it. No, no. If I'm the Pistons, I definitely hang on to him. Those guys are the guys that you need to f- figure out a way to hang on to because that's what you're going to build your team around moving forward. These young players, yeah. especially if you can lock up a guy now that you think, hey, right now, maybe you know, $14 million or something might feel like a little bit much right now. But next year, that might not be if he continues playing at this level. This is something that could be looked at as a bargain. And if they do use the—I would imagine they would try to lock him up for multiple years. But if they do go that yeah. early bird rights route, then they have to offer him a deal of at least two years. So the, you, you might as well lock this guy up for yeah. for the foreseeable future for as long as you can if you can get mm-hmm. to a workable number. Um, the question for there from there— becomes just filling out the the rest of this roster and getting that yeah. getting things set but that's where again you've got a new GM in place who can come in and kind of mold this thing to their liking and figure it out and that's you know that's an exciting thing for the Pistons uh to finish things out with that cap space could the Pistons be a dumping ground for some bad contracts maybe some bad expiring deals in order to free up money yep. or to, to grease the wheels of a trade somewhere else is that a path they should pursue <laughs> Yeah, it could be, should be third team and on a, on a three team right. trade to eat the bad deal. Definitely, um, just eat a eat a bad contract in exchange for draft picks. As you said, a lot of roster spots available in Detroit. Mm-hmm. So if you come out of the, if you can get out of this draft with an additional two three players um, beyond what you already have coming in, that'd be fantastic. Right, go go, you know, do do a bunch of you know stuff there. Even if it's future draft picks in exchange for eating bad salary, you know, for from these teams, you know, I a hundred percent, yeah. And I think they are one of the teams that should be fighting hardest to have the tax line stay flat to where it is, because then you've got teams like Boston, Brooklyn, Golden State, Philadelphia are going to be looking to dump salary. You can be like, oh, you know, you know, I know Ennis Cantor's only five million, but if you want me to take that on, I really need a first round pick and you. Know, really start you know hammering those kind of that side of the negotiation because those teams are going to be desperate to lower or you know you know get out of the tax so i think that that's something you know they're there with you know indiana we talked about it right indiana if it was like you know hey you know i know you know doug mcdermott's kind of just there you want to resign justin holiday we could take that on but you, you got to give us two seconds or something like that um and really kind of get into that full mode of where you're building up that asset base because it's christian wood I kind of like Sekou Domboya. The rest of the guys on this no. roster, I'm a little yeah. meh about. You know, um, Svi Mikhailuk, I like as a shooter. Uh, Bruce Brown, I like as a, you know, third, fourth guard on your bench. Still love Svi. Um, yeah, I'm not a big, yeah, I know you guys. Yeah, he's <laughs> we call a famer for the Lakers. Um, Svi is uh, our Luke taco Kennard, fall, right? And, uh, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, it's V and Talon Horton Tucker, like, you know, 1-1-A. Um, <laughs> THT, um, man. <laughs> uh, Luke Kennard, I'm not a, you know, I'm just not a huge Luke Kennard guy. He can't ever stay healthy either. So, you know, Thon Maker, I think that ship has sailed. Um, despite that, a couple of their free agents I do kind of like, not for them, but for other teams. Mm-hmm. I think Langston Galloway is a guy who could help a handful of teams as a third guard. I think John Henson might actually have some value as like a fourth, fifth big. 
on a good team. And I think Jordan McCray is a guy who he'll surprise people. I think if he gets on a good team, he can be like Jordan Clarkson and come in and score the ball um, with regularity on a second unit and really be a good player. Just add you know, a fraction of the cost because he's probably not going to make much more than the minimum. So, yeah, it, for me, it's re-sign Christian Wood pile up extra draft picks or young players by eating bad deals and move this thing forward that way. Cause there's, I don't see another logical path forward. Cause there's just not the free agents to, 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 for them to go get this off season that make a lot of sense. All right, let's move on. Let's finish things off with the Cleveland Cavaliers going from one big that not a lot of people want a power forward that not a lot of teams are going to want in Blake Griffin to another in Kevin Love, gosh, that's uh, that's that's a long contract. You know, I mean, shooting is something that a lot of teams need, but I just I don't know if they're going to be able to find a taker for Kevin Love's salary. Um, that's going to be a challenge. And then Andre Drummond, good lord, he is not seriously considering opting out of this deal, right? Twenty eight, no, uh, twenty eight million, almost twenty nine million. He's but we've heard these these kind of rumors that maybe he's going to opt out. That's there's no way. There's no way he can yeah. do that, right? Yeah, maybe I'm not going to eat cookies when we finish recording. <laughs> like, I mean, come on, what are we doing here? Like, we both know that's going to happen. Um, yeah, he's not opting out. No. There, there's not that kind of money for him. Once Atlanta traded for Clint Capella at the deadline, they removed the only Andre Drummond suitor um, this offseason. Charlotte's not going to do it. They're they're putting all their their hopes in trying to get James Wiseman to fill their big man spot. And then everybody else, he's not going back to Detroit, right? We know that. Um, Phoenix isn't doing that. Uh, Miami's certainly not going that route. The Knicks aren't going to do that. So, yeah, he's going to take that 28.7, stay on roster, figure it out. Maybe he gets traded. You know, that's a possibility. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Kevin Love, that's another guy. I'd much rather have Kevin Love going forward than Blake Griffin, even at the additional year, 28.9 million. He's been better health. He can really rebound and he can shoot. You can find a place for a guy like that in your roster. You know, I, you know, where I don't, you know, I, but what are you going to have to give up to, to get that's, you know, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, what are you going to have to give up that's to get him? And yeah. you're committing three years of salary. I think that's the, yeah. that's the challenge. Like for, yeah. for Blake Griffin, it's more, gosh, can he stay healthy? Are we going to trade for him? And then we're paying him almost $40 million and he's, and he's on the bench for yeah. Kevin Love. It's, how do we clear that salary? And is he the piece, right? Because if you're trading for Kevin Love and you're going to commit that much money to him for the next three years, he's got to be the guy that puts you over the top. And yeah, I think teams have to talk themselves time. into that. Yeah. Now, what I'll say with Kevin Love is I think um, just like Blake Griffin, he's another guy next summer, right? It makes a lot more yeah. sense. And there's only two years left, a big, more wide open, freer market where money should be able to be moved around easier. Then I think he makes a lot of sense, you know, in that that market um, there. But it wouldn't surprise me if something happened this year. I mean, the guy's been on the trade block, you know, basically since LeBron left, and he was kind of the last man standing yeah. in Cleveland, and he's still, you know, playing pretty well. Um, beyond that, yeah, I mean, there's not much there. Matthew Delavadova is a free agent, yeah, you know, probably a minimum guy. He'll catch on somewhere. You know, to be somebody's third, fourth point guard and be a pest and do those things. And then Tristan Thompson, right? That's the the guy who I think actually makes sense. Is you know, he he's a guy who can really still play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, would have a lot of value, I think, to any number of contenders with the, with his ability. He's somebody I think could get the full mid level. There's a lot of questions though if he wants to leave Cleveland. Really? I think he's perfectly happy in Cleveland. He seems happy there. I think he would if it was for the right opportunity yeah. with the right team, but he's not gonna do that for for, you know, $4 million a 
year. It's going to have to be, you know, the full mid-level um, from a team for, for him to go to. And there's, you know, I mean, he's a guy, right? He'd fit fantastic with the Lakers if they could, you know, offer up the full mid-level. You let, you know, either Howard or, you know, McGee go and he comes in as a replacement. That's an upgrade. Right. That, that's a huge guy, you know, that, that could play quite well there. And, you know, so I think there's any number of teams that are good teams I would like to have. I can tell you a lot of Lakers fans aren't thrilled with the idea of going after going after a Tristan Thompson. Um, and I don't know if it's a you know clutch sports thing, if it's a Kardashian thing. They're afraid of a little curse action or something <laughs> like that there. But but do they would, would the Cavs want him back? Assuming Drummond opts in. Are the Cavs really going to pay him to to come back if they know they're committing already almost thirty million million dollars to the center position next season just with Andre Drummond? Yeah, that's tough, right? Because they traded for Drummond, knowing they had Thompson, but that was knowing they have Thompson coming up as a free right. agent, Drummond as a free agent, those kind of things. I mean, and we got to remember Andre Drummond was a complete salary dump. Mm-hmm. They gave up a second round pick in garbage contracts to get him. You know, so the Pistons salary dumped him. So that's that's why, you know, just as an aside, why it's funny, you know, when people are like, you know, all these teams should be trading for Andre Drummond. Anybody could have yeah. last year. Literally. You know, it literally, you know, all you all you did give up was a couple bad contracts and a second round pick and you could have had him and nobody did. Why what's changed you know, what changed in his one month of Cavalier games that now all of a sudden this guy's this, you know, amazing asset? Um, yeah, did, but the question of would they even want Thompson back? I think there's something to this guy's way. He's got eight years in the league now, nine years in the league, 10 years, all with Cleveland. I think there's something there with those guys. Even when you're bad, it's hard to, you know, see, see the guy walk away and leave. You know, there's, you know, that connection standpoint there. We've seen, you know, players at that point in their career kind of stay and ride it out. And then maybe they finish as a, you know, Udonis Haslam, end of the bench, right. veteran guy, you know, at the end of their career, deep into it. So, yeah, I'm curious, you know, what they would do. I wouldn't do more than a couple of years if I was Cleveland. Um, you know, just, you know, and, you know, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't go more than mid-level money because it's going to get on the free agent market. But, yeah, I don't, I, my guess is probably they'd bring him back, knowing maybe Drummond's not long for being there, and then you could move him right back in the starting five. Um, they also seem to like this idea of Larry Nance at the three. You know, they, they, they did that a lot, and it wasn't bad. You know, last season. Um, so, you know, I, he's not a three. He's not. But, you know, but but on this team, maybe he is. You know, because the really only other threes are Chetty Osman and Kevin Porter Jr. I like Porter Jr. a lot. I, you know I was a big Chetty Osman guy, but, mm-hmm. God, he was awful last season. So, yeah, I think for the Cavs it's more of decide what you're going to do with Thompson. Then you're just you're running it back with a new draft pick. Nobody on this roster of the young guys is good enough to block you taking the absolute best player available. I yep. like Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, I think, more than anybody except the Garlands and the Sexton family. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm, you know, I actually think they can both play. Um, so, yeah, that's, but I'm not so convinced that I would pass up anybody. So, yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, a pretty similar roster we see back in Cleveland. And then the moves start coming in season. And then next off seasons when this roster really starts to take its turn as you move some of the more higher priced guys out. Yeah, I, I the Lakers experimented with Larry Nance Jr. as a three just a little bit out of necessity uh, one season, and it didn't go well. It's not no. it's not his natural position, but I mean he can do it. He's in a improved. Pinch. He's gotten He's better. Improved. Yes, and he has gotten better since then. But 
Yeah, he can shoot a little bit now. He can do it's, a little bit of, you know, a couple dribbles. And mm-hmm. where before, during his Lakers time, if he took more than one dribble, you knew it was going to end badly. Right. You know, so, yeah, I, th- I think he's improved just enough. But, yeah, he's not a three. But with this team, I kind of see why they can kind of look at it and say, yeah, we can, you know, force him in there a little bit. Yeah. Great guy, by the way, Larry Nance Jr. Yeah. But um, yeah. looking at their salaries, you know, they they have a lot of those contracts that teams want because they're very movable and you can toss them into a trade and they can add up to a lot. You know, you've got Nance at 11.7. You've got, you know, Dante Exum in there. You've got, uh, you got Shetty Osmond in there at, at almost 9 million. You know, those are the kind of contracts that you want on a team because you can toss them in. And then next thing you know, you've got a, you've got the ability to go out there and go after somebody bigger, but they just haven't really had anybody on the roster pop. Nobody has really got going to where another team's going to go after them. So I think it's another year at least, of kind of rebuilding and figuring out who are the guys that we're going to build around long-term. And then meanwhile, you're letting some of these contracts kind of get another year off of them. And then, and then you move forward from there. There's not, there's not a, like, there's no clear path to, okay, this is the team of the future here. I don't think they're even at that point yet. They're still trying to accumulate the assets they need to put together a future core. Yeah. If you had Sexton or Garland and your belief was like, there are, uh, there are Donovan Mitchell, like mm-hmm. they're that level of a player, um, or maybe even a Jamal Murray now. You know, if they if you believed that they were there and they had shown that um, to be at that level, then you feel a little bit more comfortable. All right, let's try to accelerate this thing a little and do put a couple of these contracts together and go get that other player. We'll increase the roster. Um, but yeah, right now, no. And they they finally get out of the tax after you know the LeBron years, which I, it's not a criticism or it's the right thing to do to go into the tax. Those years, heck, you made four finals in a row. Yeah. Clearly it worked. Um, but they're finally out of the tax. So the last thing they should be doing is pushing in here because it's just not there yet. No. You know, it's 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 going to be another long season in Cleveland, you know, building, and you're going to be – what you're hoping is keep everybody healthy so that way when those trade offers start coming, you can sift through them and find the best ones and, and start moving those guys because, yeah, because they, there's no – you can't look at a single guy there and say next time this team's a playoff team, that's the guy, right? You know that that that's our guy. They just that player doesn't doesn't exist. It could be Garland or Sexton, could be, but that's a couple years away. I think before I feel you know any anywhere remotely comfortable saying that it's either one of them. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. That's where the Cavs are at, and um, I think they'll be there for that's another for another at. year here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Keith, I, I think that wraps up the, the central division nice. and an exciting divi- division. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, some interesting things with the Bucks and the Pacers, of course. Oh, yeah. and, and then you've got some yep. other teams that are that are going to have some challenges ahead. But it's the NBA. Yep. You're always a few smart moves away from clearing things up. And next thing you know, you've got a path forward. Uh, lots going on around the league, obviously. Hopefully, the next few days, yes. we will hear... Some some final more concrete news on when it's starting and what the cap is is set at and and maybe when free agency officially begins even though it technically already began. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So lots yeah. to lots yeah, to move forward. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're one uh, you know Woj or Shams tweet away from this whole thing unraveling of you know so and so has agreed with you know because once the first player comes out oh, that's yeah. it this whole thing's gonna fall apart and at that point if you're the NBA you might as well say screw it it's open. Go go talk. Open the floodgates. So, yeah, yeah, that's it, man. But yeah, man, we're we know we're we're getting down to it now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, with, with that. So yeah, um, you know, it's great. You know, I'm glad we're we're back at it doing this every week because I think you know this is this is the time, right, for for us to be talking all this stuff. You know, maybe next time OKC as a coach, probably by the time we hang up, probably you know they'll, they'll have hired. I kept looking at my phone to see, <laughs> you know, I was waiting for it, but but I'm probably what about 15 minutes too early. That's right. Um, for that, so 15 minutes from now is about when that news will come out. But yeah, man, it's uh, you know, this is great. This is. This is awesome. There's you know so so much good stuff to come, and it's the NBA. It always delivers. That's right. There's always something exciting happening during the NBA offseason, and that's why we love talking about it. Next show, we're going to do the Southeast Division. That means we'll be talking about the Miami Heat and some decisions that they're going to need to make moving forward, especially if they're going to be targeting a maybe free agent, Giannis Antetokounmpo, in 2021. <laughs> we'll be talking about the Magic, who just hosted the bubble, and uh, and, and getting into all of those teams. So lots and lots of exciting stuff moving forward. Plus, again, hopefully we'll have some more concrete information on the cap, on dates, when the season's starting, free agency. Uh, we'll talk about a draft, all of that. Tons and tons to do. So make sure you guys do uh, rate, review, and subscribe to this show over on Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, make sure you do hit that subscribe button. And then don't forget to ring the notification bell as well so you get notified every time we have a new video coming out. Make sure you guys follow Keith on social media. You can find him on Twitter at KeithSmithNVA. And you can find me at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter as well. Keith, final thoughts? Are we good? I think we're good, man. I, th- I think I said enough in the All last right. hour or so. We'll- so, yeah, yeah, no, we're good. Let's finish it there then. Thanks, everybody, for, for watching slash listening. Stay safe and see you.